0: Welcome to Disney Versus, where we never cared for stroganoff. This is the podcast where we have animated discussions about animated movies. I'm Tori.
1: I'm Grace, and I do care for stroganoff.
0: Excuse me. <laughs> if this is your first episode, or your first time listening, welcome. What we do on this podcast is we rank and debate Disney and Pixar and other animated movies and talk about them until we have a true winner, or something like that.
1: <laughs> Sometimes we do live action now. We're, we're mixing it up.
0: Yep, uh, We're back today to have a discussion for a movie that we've been hyping for a while, the 1997 Don Bluth and Fox animation joint, Anastasia.
1: Well, she is a princess. <clears throat>
0: Before we do that, Grace, what you watching?
1: I just binge watched the latest season of Sex Education. It's very good. Um, it's on Netflix. What about you? I was
0: gonna watch that a while ago,
1: but never got around. It's good. so good. Oh, also Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is on Apple Plus or Apple TV. It's a little difficult to watch, but it's phenomenal. And actually, if, if you like such a Sex Education, I highly recommend it. It's kind of the same, same vibe, same feelings.
0: I have been watching a lot of Best Picture winners. Mm. Uh, I watched Rebecca, which is uh, Best Picture winner from uh, Alfred Hitchcock from, I think, 1930. Mm-hmm. Very good. It's, it has a little bit of murder involved in it.
1: Murder!
0: And also, it has a little bit of a Beauty and the Beast vibe to it. Big House and this, uh, there's, the, there's the Forbidden, I think it's the East Wing. Not the West Wing that she's not allowed to go to. So I was like, oh, Forbidden Side of the House, eh? Yeah, I recommend it. Okay. Have a little bit of news because we've been gone for a while. Well, not that much news, but we have some trailers to talk about. The trailer for Disney's Encanto came out today from Zootopia directors Byron Howard and Jared Bush and co-director Carice Castro-Smith with songs by Lin-Manuel Miranda.
1: That makes sense. Well, yeah. So I just watched this trailer, and I like it seems interesting. It made me wonder if uh, so all of the voices sound very white, uh, but looking at the cast, it doesn't look that way. Uh, but it was making me wonder if if Coco had a whitewash voice cast or not.
0: I know Coco didn't.
1: Yeah. Also, listening to the song, it makes a lot of sense that it's Lin-Manuel Miranda who wrote the music.
0: I'm not incredibly excited for this movie yet. The only reason I'm currently excited is because I want Lin to get his p because he mm-hmm. just gets an Oscar. Did you see that Hamilton won an Emmy?
1: Yeah.
0: I'm thinking, is it possible for Hamilton, like Hamilton itself, to win an
1: EGOT? Uh, let's see. Emmy, Grammy, Oscar. Uh, I mean, it can't win an Oscar, can it?
0: Unless they go, like, Chicago and make an actual movie movie actual out of movie it. Actual movie movie. But I feel like that time has maybe passed.
1: Yeah, if they because they did the stage recording well, yeah. for Disney.
0: I mean, West Side Story is about to, a new West Side Story is about to come out, so... I think anything is possible now, and Hamilton's mm-hmm. so stinking popular. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I mean, the movie looks fine. I'm just not super excited about it yet.
1: It uh, looks very pretty. It's vibrant.
0: I'm waiting for a Disney movie to not look ugly but look abstract.
1: I feel like that was Soul.
0: Yes and no. Soul still had you know people and it was polished. I mean, I guess oh, okay. the the afterlife or the great before pretty abstract Mm -hmm. but i watched the new spark shorts that came out
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and the new uh short circuit shorts that came out and they have a different animation style right there that they can use it's like 40 different shorts that they can pull from yeah all of these movies kind of look like they fit into the same universe they kind of have a mcu problem going on how everything looks the same, even though they're all set in different places.
1: Huh, yeah, Now I'm thinking, like, it's this kind of monster's university, like, that's the first one that makes me think that, that kind of hyper-realism. Yeah. But, like, Finding Nemo doesn't, isn't that shiny, or at least the first one I don't think is, like, that shiny, that glossy.
0: But, I mean, like, it looks, it looks like the main character from Encanto and Moana could
1: hang Uh-huh, out. yeah, and yep. There, there's a and it little, could all be the same universe,
0: bit, yeah. And Raya kind of looks similar too, like the texture, like the. I'm not even talking about the landscapes or the colors or anything, but just like the character designs themselves, mm-hmm. they all kind of look similar.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm just waiting for a Disney movie that just kind of branches out and just kind of breaks the animation mold, because since since they went 3D, early, mm-hmm. a lot of characters look similar Mm -hmm. your frozens your Tangled's, your moanas even big hero 6 and Mm -hmm. wreck it ralph i may be forgetting something but like everything looks the same right now and i'm still kind of getting kind of not bored but i'm kind of getting disney fatigue from everything looking the same
1: yeah
0: i think that's why uh, spider-man into the spider-verse was so
1: different Yeah, I wonder if, like, is anyone producing hand-drawn stuff anymore? Or, like, could we get a hand-drawn... Oh, what was I... Actually, I mean, we'll get to talking to how Anastasia looks. Um, And, of course, Anastasia was produced by Fox, but Amber made a very interesting comment about how it looks that I think is an attribute of specifically hand-drawn movies.
0: Another trailer that came out while we've been away was Pixar's Seeing Red from bow director Domi Shi and this one I'm a little bit more excited for because of the concept and it took balls to use a Backstreet Boys song in your trailer
1: yes (laughs)
0: that is definitely an attention grabber
1: Tori was watching me while I was watching the trailer um, because I did not do my homework Um, and I just started Backstreet Boys
0: (laughs) your facial expressions were funnier than the trailer (laughs) I was enjoying your facial expressions a lot. I
1: think I'm gonna love that. It's like already made me want to cry a little bit. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for that one.
0: What is her name? Christina from Dre's Anatomy.
1: <gasps> uh, Christina Yang. Um
0: Chris- Christina O. Oh. Yes. She plays uh, the mom. Uh, uh, yeah. is
1: it Christina O? Sandra O. Yeah. It's Christina Yang, yeah. Oh, Christina
0: Yang. Christina That's Yang.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Christina O. <laughs> uh, her care she and her character have merged this isn't really news but something i found interesting when i was scrolling through youtube this morning on this day in history today is september 29 2021 on this day in history 30 years ago beauty and the beast was first publicly screened at the new york film festival with 70% of the film finished Oh, wow. The rest was uh, storyboards and rough dialogue, and directors describing things. The film still received a ten-minute standing ovation. Oh, hell! Yeah, we should do a thirtieth anniversary episode for Beauty and the Beast. Just saying.
1: Yeah, that would be great.
0: I mean, it did win our bracket, so.
1: <laughs> Spoiler alert!
0: <laughs> I mean, it's do episode people, seventy-four.
1: Do people ask you who won? Like, if you tell them about the podcast, do they ask? Sometimes. I think the podcast is in one of my dating, like, I don't say which podcast, but I say that i have a Disney podcast, in one of my dating profiles, and people ask, like, what one? I was like, why would I tell you? Why would Mm. I start there?
0: I won't tell people who won, but I'll tell them, like, the final eight or the final four and let them guess from there. Yeah. But yeah, we should do a Beauty and the Beast episode. The 30th anniversary is in November, so we have some time. Mm Mm-hmm. Final piece of news we have is, on a sadder note, Ed Asner, voice mm-hmm. of Carl Fredrickson from Up. He was Hudson in Gargoyles. He was Ed Wensler in The Boondocks. For, for me, a wonderful voice actor, and for people older than me, a wonderful screen actor. Passed away at the age of, I believe he was 91. Before we get into... The movie Anastasia. I think it was, I think it's very important that I give you guys some cliff notes on the history of the real Anastasia.
1: I'm excited about this. I know a little bit. Tori told me, I mean, we've been trying to record this for a while now, but he told me that he was doing some research and he's like, oh good, but means one that I don't have to, but um, but also like I'm excited to know because it's an interesting story.
0: It's fucking dark too. Yeah. Like, I was getting chills listening to the podcast and watching the YouTube videos and reading the articles that I did for the notes. It's just like, ooh, this is dark. Dark, dark. I'm going to try and keep this brief. I have, like, six bullet points. They're all, like, they get longer as you go. Mm-hmm. Some of these are going to debunk stuff in the movie, too, so we don't have to mention it later. Starting in 1916, the Tsar Nicholas II led russia into widespread poverty and famine due to his incompetent leadership obsession with gaining power and his ignorance to the needs of his people Tsar nicholas ii is obviously anastasia's father mm-hmm. gregory rasputin was a siberian faith healer who was a close confidant to the royal family he was thought to have too much control and influence over the czar so he was poisoned shot and thrown into a freezing river in December of 1916. His death sparked what was called the Bolshevik Revolution, or the Russian Revolution. Mm -hmm. There was one of two. The civil unrest and protests forced Nicholas to abdicate the throne, ending the Romanov's 300-year reign of Imperial Russia, beginning Soviet control of Russia. Mm -hmm. Anastasia and her family were held in captivity while a Russian civil war went on, The Bolsheviks, the Reds, who held the Romanovs captive, were on the verge of defeat. So on July 17th, 1918, the Romanovs were executed. The leaders of the Bolshevik Revolution immediately announced that Tsar Nicholas II was dead. However, they attempted to cover up the death of his family by covering them in acid, burning them, and burying them in a mine.
1: Holy cow. That's dramatic. That's a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right? That was the chilling part. It's like, oh shit they were not fucking around yeah 60 years later the remains of the bodies were found nicholas ii his wife and three children were identified the youngest romanov the lone son alexei and one of his sisters were missing in the remains that they found at the time no one was able to identify whether the missing sister was anastasia or her slightly older sister maria Through misinformation and multiple imposters, it was believed that Anastasia and her brother may have survived due to diamonds being sewn inside of their clothes and that they were able to escape Russia. In 1928, Anna Anderson, who was the most plausible imposter to claim to be Anastasia, arrived in New York. She claimed to have survived the massacre by laying in a pile of her family's bodies and convincing a befriended guard to take her and her brother to safety. DNA testing on Anderson's body after her death concluded that she was not related to the Romanovs. In 2007, amateur historians found fragments of bones from Alexei and the missing duchess near the mine where the family had originally been buried. It was confirmed that those remains belonged to Maria, Anastasia's elder sister by two years. So the finding of all seven Romanovs at this point confirmed that Anastasia did not survive or escape the family's execution in 1918.
1: Well that's not a happy story. Fuck no (laughs) Great, great, okay.
0: I don't know why it was so interesting to hear all that, but like, you know, the podcast I used to get most of this research based on a true story. Their episode on Anastasia was wonderful. Go check that out. Okay. Check out that podcast. They take movies that are based on true stories, hence the name. And you analyze them. Yes, and give you kind of the, this is true, this is not, and what the timeline really is. Like, they did a Bohemian Rhapsody. They did Patton. They did uh, Anastasia. There's a Band of Brothers they series that they did. There is a Titanic episode that I haven't listened to yet. Yeah, some good stuff. I really hope they do a Remember the Titans episode because I think the history of that movie is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, take a quick trailer break, and then when we come back, we are going to get into uh, our review
1: of Anastasia. 20th Century Fox presents a first look at the story behind the greatest mystery of our time. Production will be completed in 1997. But the magic is already here.
0: Although the Tsar did not survive, one daughter may be still alive.
1: Hello? I just want to know who I am, whether or not I belong to a family. The story of a young woman without a past. Somewhere down this road, I know someone's waiting. Years of dreams just can't be wrong. Hey. A young man with a plan. Do you see what me? I see? The same blue eyes. Perfect. Are you trying to tell me that you think that I could be the Grand Duchess Anastasia? Oh. Anastasia. Alive? I, I give her a. I... <laughs> a sinister villain. in the dark of the night, evil will find her. An epic adventure.
0: We live through this. Remind me to thank you. A fascinating mystery. The biggest con in history.
1: The princess Anna Smith.
0: I'm royalty. You know I do. Then
1: stop bossing me around. Anastasia.
0: Anastasia was released on November 21st, 1997. It stars Meg Ryan, John Cusack, Kelsey Grammer, Christopher Lloyd, Hank Azaria, Angela Lansbury, and Bernadette Peters. It currently has a uh, Rotten Tomato rating of 86% an IMDb rating of 7.2 out of 10, and a Metacritic score of 61%.
1: I'm a little surprised this isn't higher. In what? In IMDb or Metacritic. I
0: mean, Metacritic, I'm kind of surprised. IMDb, it's really hard to get a very high score.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Rotten Tomatoes, I'm surprised it's that high. Yeah. In this day and age. As far as box office, in its opening weekend, it grossed $14.1 It grossed... $139.8 worldwide, and it is currently Don Bluth's highest-grossing film to date. The movie was written by Susan Gaither, Bruce Graham, Bob Sutziker, and Noni White. Bob and Noni were the writers for Hunchback of Notre Dame and Tarzan. Uh, The score was done by David Newman. The songs were done by Lynn uh, Ahernes and Stephen Flattery who did Susical the Musical and Rocky the Musical. Shred. <laughs> the movie was directed by Don Bluth and Gary Goldman.
1: Okay.
0: Another brief history lesson on Don Bluth. God, this is a lot. Why did I write so much?
1: <laughs> for someone who wasn't, who didn't want to record an Anastasia podcast for the longest time, you went pretty hard. <laughs> There's a
0: lot that goes into this movie because everyone's like, this is a Disney movie. No. It's not. And I want people to understand why I think it's such a big deal that Disney put Anastasia on Disney Plus at all. Okay. So Don Bluth was born in El Paso, Texas in 1937. He moved to Payson, Utah at age six. He started at Disney in 1955 as an assistant to John Lounsbury on Sleeping Beauty. In 1957, Bluth left Disney to go to Argentina for a mission trip for over two and a half years because... Don Bluth is a Mormon. In 1971, he returned to Disney and went on to work on movies such as Sword in the Stone, Robin Hood, Winnie the Pooh, The Rescuers, and Pete's Dragon. After a while, he became disappointed with the quality of animation and the cost-cutting of Disney Animation's department. Don and a few animators from Disney, including director Gary Goldman, created a short film called Banjo the Woodpile Cat in 1979. While the film itself drew attention from investors, Disney Studio had scoffed at the idea of Don Bluth making his own movie without Disney. So, in September of 1979, Don and 17 other animators left Disney Holy to cow. form Don Bluth Productions. It was basically a mutiny.
1: Yeah.
0: Their first film, The Secret of Nim, came out in
1: 1982.
0: I loved Nim. I need to watch it again.
1: Did you read that book? No, I didn't. I don't remember the movie, but I remember liking the book. And I think I like the, I I the movie. It's rats, right? Mice? Yeah. No? Am yeah, I mice. That up? Yeah, that's I might be wrong. No, okay. Okay, great. Yeah.
0: Okay. The Secret of Nim was a modest financial success, but a critical darling in the animation world. But the studio faced financial troubles. In 1983, Don Bluth Productions became the Bluth Group, and they worked on an extremely successful game called Dragon's Lair. If you watch uh, Stranger Things Season what 2, Dragon's Lair features in the, in the uh, first couple of episodes. But after the video game crash of 83, the company declared bankruptcy. Later on, in 1985, Bluth formed Sullivan Bluth Studios, and he teamed up with Steven Spielberg, Universal Pictures, and Amblin Entertainment to make An American Tale. At the time, it was the highest grossing non-Disney animated film which beat out Disney's The Great Mouse Detective at the box office. Oh, and this is going to be a theme. Next, Bluth and Spielberg and producer George Lucas released The Land Before Time in 1988. Oh, <gasps> man. I remember watching Land Before Time and realizing, wait, Spielberg's on this? George Lucas is on this? Holy shit. I
1: haven't watched Land Before Time in decades.
0: Oh, it holds up. It's very short.
1: Are they like like 45 minutes? For like an hour
0: and ten? It's like seventy, yeah. Perfect. I mentioned that there was a theme. The Land Before Time released on the same day as Disney's Oliver and Company and <clears throat> beat it at the box office. However, after the release of Land Before Time, Spielberg and Don Bluth split and went their separate ways to pursue other projects. Bluth's next release, now with Goldcrest films, was All Dogs Go to Heaven in nineteen eighty nine. It was released within a week of Disney's The Little Mermaid. Do I really need to tell you how that box office went? Holy
1: cow. That's crazy. I didn't realize, although it's was going to have it, not Disney.
0: Yes. So you notice the theme of Don Bluth being ad- very adversarial with Disney.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The next stream of Don Bluth films were Financial Bombs, Rock-A-Doodle-Doo in 1992, Thumbelina in 1994.
1: <gasps> I loved Thumbelina.
0: I haven't watched it. I think some of these I remember watching maybe once and I didn't enjoy them all that much.
1: I used to make my babysitter watch that with me over and over.
0: Oh, why would you do that to her?
1: (laughs) I really like Thumbelina. Ooh,
0: drinking game. (laughs) A Troll in Central Park in 1994 and The Pebble and the Penguin in 1995. I noticed that all of those dates are when huge Disney movies came out, so mm-hmm. 92 would have been Aladdin, 94 would have been The Lion King and Nightmare Before Christmas,
1: mm-hmm. and then Wait, Pocahontas 94.
0: would have been in 95.
1: I thought Nightmare was 96. No, it was... You're right. You're right. It was 94. I'm a
0: liar. I That's th- it, it, at least it would have been 95. It wasn't 96. I think it's,
1: I think it's actually 93. I think you're right. Because I... Yeah, I think it it was ninety three.
0: This successive string of bombs caused a few animators to leave the studio, which was now called Don Bluth Entertainment. But in the early 90s, Bluth and Goldman set up a new animation studio for 20th Century Fox known as Fox Animation Studios. Their first feature film, Anastasia, was released on November 21st, 1997. This was the week after the re-release of The Little Mermaid and a week before the release of Disney's Flubber, which actually outgrossed Anastasia. Wow. Also worth it to note that Hercules came out in June of 97 and Georgia the Jungle came out in July of 97. So those movies were still probably in theaters as well. Don Bluth also directed the sequel to Anastasia, Bartok the Magnificent, in 1999. His most recent film was Titan A.E. in 2001, and it was a financial disaster and lost millions of dollars at the box office with a budget of 90 million and a box office of 36.8 million do the math and he hasn't made or directed or sorry he hasn't directed a theatrically animated film ever since okay just wanted to go through all of that just to see you know his history with disney and to see how we got to anastasia
1: all that to say you're very surprised that his movie is featured on disney plus
0: Yes, I think I said it on a previous episode. Like I, I never expected Anastasia mm-hmm. to show up on a on Disney Plus at all. Yeah, but I guess enough people were calling for it because there's the suggestion section on Disney Plus.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: With all that said, I'm going to stop talking after I ask Grace, "What are your first impressions of Anastasia?" Uh,
1: I love this movie, and I was pleased. I loved this movie when I was growing up. And I was pleased that it stood up for me. I wasn't let down. Um, there are some busy movies that we have watched where I've been like, really? When I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, but I thought this one stood up. What about you?
0: If I remember correctly, I liked this movie a lot when I was growing up, too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Watching it now, having done this podcast as long as we have, I get debatably over critical
1: mm-hmm.
0: of some movies. So I had a very critical eye when watching Anastasia. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as I know I didn't enjoy it as much as you, but mm-hmm. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as, you know, younger me did. This may be another, um, another installment of Tori hated everything about this movie or most things about this movie, except the music.
1: Yeah. The music is very good. Actually, The first note that I have is music. Damn.
0: (laughs) The only thing I can say with some certainty is I liked the music. Mm -hmm. There were times when the animation looked lovely. Um, The characters are great. I mean, I can't complain about a lot of the characters, except Meg Ryan is prime example of 90s superstar casting. Mm Mm-hmm. I wasn't impressed or thrilled at all with her vocal performance. Like, Anya, she doesn't have very much presence in the movie, I don't think. Mm -hmm. She's either in peril or she's mystified by something. Mm -hmm. She has amnesia, so she can't remember most of what's going on. But she's feisty and sassy, and that's really it.
1: Yeah, she's also, like, 18. Oh, yeah. Is she... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she's getting kicked out of the orphanage. Oh, yeah. And it was 10 years after the revolution.
0: I thought she was older.
1: Because
0: this whole thing is an alternate history, yeah. essentially. Because I think, like, I thought she was, like, 12
1: Mm-mm.
0: when she got separated from her family. No,
1: and I think there's a reference to her age, too, but um, which is what's making me think that the revolution happened when she was eight. and then, uh, But maybe that's wrong. But she's her, she's getting kicked out of the orphanage is is where we pick back up.
0: I read and I saw in the behind the scenes that Meg Ryan, to get her to do the movie, they took one of her scenes from like, I think, Sleep is in Seattle and animated it. Same way they got Robin Williams to do the genie. They took his stand up and animated it. Yeah. I wish they could have gotten someone with a little bit more vocal presence.
1: I don't think the vocal, like, I don't think her vocals are what don't give her presence. I think it. Like, she's not meant to be this big singer. Ariel's a big singer. I, I don't think of Aladdin as having great musical presence either, but that's a musical. Yes. Yeah. She's a little aloof. She's 18. She uh, is an orphan and has amnesia. That doesn't, it doesn't bother me that she's not. Um, it's incredibly well put together, magical singer.
0: I was listening to the soundtrack on the way home, and like, I wish Liz Calloway had just been the voice as well because mm-hmm. she doesn't sound a lot like meg ryan again maybe i'm being too picky but every time i'm just like meg ryan really <laughs> i mean understandably at the time of them recording the vocals meg ryan was probably one of the most was one of the most popular actresses yeah. in hollywood speaking of liz calloway i thought that name sounded familiar she was the singing voice for jasmine in the return of jafar and aladdin king of thieves and for adult Nala in uh, Lion King 2.
1: I still don't know if I've seen Lion King 2. Really? I still, yeah, I don't think I have. I think I've seen Lion King 1.5, but I don't think I've seen Lion King 2. And I remember, I think I've seen Return of Jafar and maybe King of Thieves. I've seen King of Thieves, but I think only once in many, 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 many moons ago.
0: When I was cooking, I decided, let's watch Return of the Jafar and... King of Thieves, back-to-back.
1: Back. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that happened. Return of Jafar is okay. King of These is better.
1: Mm-hmm. I was surprised by Kelsey Grammer and Hank Azaria. Like, I knew John Cusack was Dimitri, but some of the other names I I, I knew Angela Lansbury was Grandmama, but not some of the other names, so um, it's nice to see familiar names, at least.
0: I forgot it was Hank Azaria. Because it doesn't sound like Mm -hmm. any of his Simpsons characters. No.
1: Mm
0: -mm. I think everybody else was fine. It's just I had a... Anya was the only one that was off for me. So. Yeah. uh, I noticed there were a lot of Disney... I pulled out a lot of Disney parallels to this. Like Rasputin shows up to the the celebration in a similar way to Maleficent and uh, Sleeping Beauty.
1: Mm Yes. Yes.
0: He kind of reminds me of A Cross Between Maleficent and Jafar. Because he he has the winged sidekick.
1: I also, one of the other things that stood out to me was the entry, the credit entry, um, is in the mirror of Hunchback of Notre Dame. Absolutely. um, Which came out right around the same time.
0: Right. The opening song is kind of akin to Beauty and the Beast with the whole town singing. The movie also opens like Hercules because it's there's a narrator. No, it opens like Beauty and the Beast and Hercules because there's a narrator telling what happened.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Something funny. I asked, "How did how did Rasputin get away after he, you know, caused all the commotion and crashed the freaking chandelier?" Yeah. I was like, "Did, did they just let him bounce? Did he disappear? <laughs> what what's going on with that?" Magic. Magic. <laughs> this this In is this how this is how Imperial Russia was overthrown. Mm -hmm. It's like people crash chandeliers and getting away with it. I wish uh, Rasputin had been more of a presence too. Because he and Anya Mm -hmm. don't meet until the end of the movie.
1: Yes. He's this figure in the background. And same with Bartok. Like Bartok's seen all this stuff happen and commenting on it. And he's like some comic relief. But Anastasia has no, there's no connection to her.
0: What does Bartok actually do?
1: Makes us laugh.
0: Okay. To so the story, though. like How yeah. does he contribute to the story, though? Oh,
1: not at all. Not at all. <sighs> uh, I, oh, I mean, he's been he's been hanging out waiting for Rasputin to return. He's been holding this glowy thing like just in case.
0: I don't think he was doing that on purpose, though, because he kind of accidentally stumbles across Rasputin. Mm-hmm. My issues with the movie are how it's written. Everything just kind of happens to Anya.
1: I don't know. I don't see it being very different from any of the other... Disney movies or... I mean, like, it's just as ridiculous as, say, Ariel and Little Mermaid. Like Trying to get me riled
0: up about Ariel and the Little Mermaid.
1: There's no need to get... I mean, like, it's, it's not a good movie. And she's a bad princess. She's a bad character.
0: I'm just really miffed how there are two attacks and then there are two failed attempts on Anya's life. And then Rasputin's like, fine, I'll do it myself. And then he goes upstairs to the land of the living and tries to drop a bridge on her basically and mm-hmm. fails again a lot of his plans are half-baked as all-powerful as he kind of was big underline was he's not really that formidable afterwards i guess mm-hmm. that's why they cut him in the musical the movie is a lot more mystical than anything else but the mysticism mm-hmm. really doesn't go anywhere the only part that's mystical is rasputin and he doesn't do anything what do you think of the animation
1: I liked it, and um, I liked it because it looked it looked older. It looked old school. Um, it wasn't it wasn't too fancy. Amber made the comment that she doesn't like she didn't like how all of the backgrounds were kind of blurred, and the characters seemed like they were kind of 3D, but it was clearly not. It to me, it looked like cells. It looked like um, yeah. traditional cells, but yeah. What about you?
0: Some of the backgrounds I like. But a lot of times it was, I noticed it was CGI for the sake of CGI.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like there was a scene where she, well, I, I had to go look at the ballroom scene from Beauty and the Beast and compared it to like when she entered the palace for the, when Anya entered the palace for the first time after, you know, when she got to St. Petersburg, mm-hmm. there's a CGI turning of the camera and it's just like, mm-hmm. what did that do? You could have just as easily, you know, move the picture. Mm -hmm. But it, I I agree with Amber that a lot of it was very, what's the word, it seemed like the characters were just dropped in and they weren't integrated very well with the backgrounds.
1: It almost, um, I'm trying to think, actually it kind of looked like Oliver and Company to me has the same kind of quality.
0: Yeah, I can see that.
1: Where everything around the dogs is kind of like background noise of kind of what parts of this. And I'm thinking about the train scenes, specifically, uh, and Anastasia. Yes.
0: Yeah, I put that a lot of the shots felt excessive.
1: hmm I feel like you're being anti to be anti-Tory.
0: Maybe. <laughs> it's just, there's not a lot that I liked. Beyond the music and a little bit of the backgrounds. there's not much that I liked about this movie. My biggest problem with Anastasia kind of stems from it's trying so hard to be a Disney Renaissance movie. And it's failing; it's missing the mark because uh, Don Bluth movies are so different for a reason.
1: What about it do you think uh, is is striking the tone of Disney Renaissance?
0: The air quotes Disney princess,
1: as <laughs>
0: the air quotes Disney princess, the villain, and the abundance of music. Like even the structure of the music, like the the. The type of songs that they have. I think is very Disney Renaissance. I
1: see what you mean, like the I Want Songs and the Villain Songs, but I think part of for me what's standing out is we don't have that much exposure to non Disney musicals. And there aren't that many that I mean, it's not like like we know some DreamWorks animated movies, but musicals, that's a different story, it's a different category. And we're so honed in on Disney. That I don't know that it's ripping it off. I think that's just how kids animated musicals are. <laughs> fair, and, fair and, point. And think about think about outside of Disney, even just storytelling. Like think Broadway. Think about Wicked, or you know, in general. And I want song is is part of that. Is part of that formula. And so is a villain song. And so is um, daydreaming. Uh, like all of these are things that exist in other ways of storytelling. It just also, I mean, Disney Renaissance has a formula.
0: Yeah, and you're you're absolutely right, and I, I'm glad that you brought up uh, Broadway musicals because at its foundation, Disney Renaissance movies are just Broadway musicals. Because Howard Ashman did that on purpose. He said these these movies are structured perfectly to take from the Broadway musical.
1: Mm-hmm. Like it's a
0: it's a perfect translation to do in an animation what they try to do on stage. Perfect. There are I I've, I've you DreamWorks. You're right. Prince of Egypt comes to mind. Road to El Dorado, to mm-hmm. a lesser extent. Netflix uh, is doing a cut. Has done a couple of these too. Like uh, Over the Moon. I recommend Over the Moon if you haven't seen it. It it has an I want song. It has a villain song. Uh, it has you know the characters on the side that support the heroine there's the side character song I don't know if there's a side character song in Anastasia now that I think about it I I think I I say and people have made fun of this too that Don Bluth is doing a renaissance movie because he went so hard at uh, I mean we did the recap a couple of minutes ago Mm -hmm. Uh, we Don Bluth went at Disney so hard. And that had to be intentional.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It had to be. Because those were his roots. You know? And and something that I was thinking about is... uh, Anastasia is so similar to Hercules. And we mentioned that there's no connection to the villain. Interesting. And I think there's, there's so many parallels. Hades and Rasputin are very similar because they are the reason that the main character is orphaned,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: Some, and, and thinking about that, like, where is the flaw? How is, how does Hercules get the edge? And Hercules gets the edge because of Meg.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Meg is the mole that represents Hades's interests, mm-hmm. basically. And it it's ridiculous. This is a ridiculous thought experiment. But like if Dimitri or Vlad was an agent of Rasputin, <laughs> trying to bring down. Try, it's ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to bring down Anastasia. Mm-hmm. It would be a little bit more like that is the connection that I kind of needed to make it a more. If if you're you know in camp Anastasia, that's kind of how you make it personal because at the end of the movie, they kind of, um, like there's the there's the romantic comedy or if you look at Aladdin, there's the little hitch where Anastasia finds out that Dimitri has been, is a con man.
1: Mm-hmm. There's
0: another, There, if, if that had been the conflict that we had been building up to the entire movie, which we kind of are, mm-hmm. if that had been the only conflict, it would be a little bit more relatable of a movie. But since you have that fantastical element that is Rasputin, mm-hmm. you have to address that too. And I don't think they addressed it very well.
1: Yeah, I think Rasputin's whole storyline is kind of disparate from from Anastasia's arc. And um, so it seems a little abrupt, especially for her to have such strong feelings against Rasputin in that garden scene when she's never met him before. We've never heard her talk about him. She's experienced things that were caused by him, but... um but we also don't talk about that. We don't talk about the train. She doesn't talk oh. about um jumping off of the, or almost jumping off of the boat. So I do agree that her vehemence against him isn't quite warranted. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense in the context. She shouldn't have her wits quite so much about her in relation to him if he's just now attacking her for the first time that she knows of.
0: She seems so unbothered by it. Like, Mm -hmm. show that you are affected. Like, yo, the train that you are on almost, that you were on almost exploded. Mm -hmm. You almost sleepwalked your way off of a boat. Yeah. A whole ass boat. You're not curious about that at all? Like, it never comes up again. I think overall, I just wanted more from the heroine of the, the movie and more for Rasputin to do. I wanted him to be more of a threat. He just kind of sent minions to do his bidding. He just kind of just sat there and literally was just watching everything happen. Like, did they ever say what was stopping him from doing everything himself? Because after that third try, he was like, you know, I'll go do it myself, and then he leaves. Like, how come he couldn't leave from the start?
1: Mm-hmm. But he was weak, wasn't he? No?
0: What made him stronger then? Rage. And with the the connection of Rasputin basically being the reason that his par- that her parents are gone mm-hmm. because of the, the Romanov curse. I feel like the antagonism between Anya and Rasputin should have been on display more because there's two things. Trying to defeat Rasputin and Anya trying to discover her past. Mm-hmm. That's, that's enough. Yeah. One needed a little more focus or the same amount of focus that the other got because... Once she gets to Paris, that story's great. We have to fight to meet the Dowager. We gotta, you know, charge. I think it adds,
1: like, Anastasia's trying to get to Paris, so it adds intrigue for, like, why she can't get to Paris. It it creates some tension, um, keeping her from getting there because Rasputin's a dick and trying to ruin the Romanovs.
0: If, you know, Rasputin had shown up, he doesn't reveal himself, really, until she dreams it. And even then, she doesn't really comment that much about it. Like she gets scared of the Romanov curse, but she isn't. She's scared of the curse, not of Rasputin. Mm-hmm. And that's something that bugs me the most, I think, about this movie. Sorry, I keep using Disney comparison. Ursula met Ariel. Jafar tried to kill Aladdin multiple times, even though he didn't know it was. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't know each other. Jafar made multiple attempts on his life, and Aladdin eventually met Jafar, mm-hmm. and then. Aladdin knew something was up about Jafar when he dropped him down the Cave of Wonders. Though traumatic, Simba knew Scar was involved with his dad's murder. Mm -hmm. I will get off my soapbox about uh, Rasputin and Anastasia. I think that's just my my biggest
1: gripe about the film. Mm -hmm. So is there anything that you really did like? Like thinking about it as its own movie that's not... Oh, we've got my dog in the background. (laughs) Hi noodles, Um, is there anything that you did like?
0: I I have a note that I think Vlad looks like. In looking at him, Vlad kind of looks like Doc from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. If (laughs) Doc wasn't a dwarf, Uh if if they took uh, Doc and turned him to like turned him into like Hodor from Mm -hmm. Game of Thrones, that would be Vlad. Oh my gosh! See now you can't you can't I can't see that yeah. Giving respect to uh, his character, I think Dimitri is probably the most well-written character in the movie. I know I say, I have problems with the movie's writing. That is basically all on the relationship between Anastasia and Rasputin, or the lack Mm thereof. Dimitri has growth. He is the, at the beginning, he is the con man. Doesn't get along with Anastasia at all. And of course they fall in love, but more he you said once he realizes that like she is the real deal and Mm -hmm. he was the boy he everything shifts for him Mm -hmm. and that's that's i mean i may be off base but it's obvious but it's still good writing
1: yeah i mean that was one of i mean that was probably my favorite moment was that realization when he realizes you know it's such a pivotal like i don't know that i clocked it before then that he doesn't actually get that it's her that she's the real deal. And so that it changes everything. Um, it changes the trajectory of the movie. It changes um, how he feels about the money and his goals. And then there are a couple moments where he tries to tell and it doesn't work and he tries to tell and it doesn't work. Um, so there's a good amount of tension in that. Really, like the whole part in Paris happens very quickly, but I think it's really well paced.
0: It drastically changes his motivations because. He, I mean, he still could have taken the money mm-hmm. and still probably, well, I, I don't say he would have still gotten the girl, but I think the fact that he came back and helped her after he left, like when when she was fighting Rasputin, mm-hmm. he came back and helped that, that did a lot too, because he could have just Han Soloed his way out of there. It's very similar to Han Solo. <laughs> huh. But yeah, he, he could have just bounced. Yeah. Obvious growth is still growth. What other characters did you like?
1: I like Dimitri. Um, I think Sophie is a fun character. Um, I liked Grandmama, and I liked that Grandmama was just like, nah, I'm over it. I'm done. Don't even at me. I'm I'm over it.
0: Did you see that um, Bernadette Peters was unhappy with the character model of Sophie? No. Because Bernadette Peters is a slimmer, tinier woman oh, and yes. sophie is not
1: yeah interesting i
0: think in this i think in this day and age like sophie would be a sophie's an icon for you know bigger characters because mm-hmm. there's i can't think of many right now i yeah. think of her i think of ursula um mama odie to a lesser extent mm-hmm. think of all the people that would stand sophie
1: that would stand
0: stand Am I using that word correctly? I
1: don't know. I don't know what you mean.
0: We're about to have another uh, slaps. Does that slap that or would... is it a bop conversation? Be...
1: Stan like S-T-A-N-D?
0: No, S-T-A-N. Oh. Like Grace, you are a Beyonce stan.
1: An extremely or excessively enthusiastic and devoted fan. On the drum. Okay, great, great, great. Okay.
0: With that being said... Do you think there would be Sophie stands in twenty twenty one if this movie came out? I'm sure. We mentioned that the the clouds, how Saint Petersburg, the opening in Saint Petersburg mm-hmm. looks exactly like, or it looks Hunchback. similar to Hunchback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like a lot of the cityscapes that they that like the city shots, like the wide shots of buildings or cities that they do, like Saint Petersburg Paris. or Paris, the palace. All of it looks very. Uh, very well integrated
1: mm-hmm.
0: into the movie.
1: Let's talk about the music a little bit. Okay. What did you like? What didn't you like?
0: I like that the music has a blend of a little bit of I call it mystical Russian.
1: Yeah, that kind of like Russian classical feel. Uh-huh.
0: And then there is the blend of the themes in the song. from mm-hmm. Themes from the songs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Something that I thought was funny as much as Rasputin is basically a specter of death. They don't use the DC
1: No, they don't.
0: Or even with the, the death of the Romanovs, they don't use it.
1: I wonder if that was intentional. Well, that was less so, but But I also wonder with like Rasputin, like it's hard to take him seriously until the end of the movie. One thing that I noticed was the song Remember. So she's in the palace and she's starting to like have these feelings and she's imagining all of these people dancing and she's spinning around and she's singing the song that was in our music box and the audio, the music is disjointed from her lyrics. Uh, it's offset. And to me, it's like, it, it's intentional. And I think it, I thought it was pretty cool. Like, it kind of made a, almost ethereal or kind of haunted sound because it was just, it was offset enough to be intentional, but like it was falling behind whatever she was creating
0: the motif of uh, Mm -hmm. specters of her past or whatever yeah and i
1: wonder if i haven't listened to it like on spotify i wonder if that's the same if it's aligned or if it's delayed in um, the actual spotify recording like the traditional or the official soundtrack
0: i also make fun of this movie because it feels like don bluth Made a Disney Renaissance movie, or Don Bluth made a Disney Princess movie,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because you have the "I Want" song,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you have the the villain song,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but there isn't really a love theme. I mean, there's a love,
1: there's, there's a kind of a love, theme, yeah, but not
0: there's not a love song. There's a love motif. If you listen to the the credits uh, at the beginning, is the love song,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's it's used sparingly throughout the movie. I think when they get they're getting on the train Mm -hmm. if you listen to the soundtrack you can hear part of at the beginning Mm -hmm. which I appreciate and it makes me feel like that song was supposed to be in the movie somewhere but they cut it Mm -hmm. which is usually what happens in stuff like this like it happened in Pocahontas and it happened in I think Aladdin there were a bunch of cut songs from Aladdin
1: Mm -hmm.
0: have you listened to the the Broadway recording or the Broadway cast album
1: of this no
0: I would recommend it it's pretty good okay There's some there's some good songs uh i think stay i pray probably one of my favorites Mm -hmm. the biggest differences between the movie and the musical are uh there is no rasputin Mm -hmm. there is a more historically accurate bolshevik officer named glib who is the air quotes villain of the show Mm -hmm. he is the son of one of the guards who carried out the assassination of the Romanovs, which, yo, that's dark. Yeah. And I think it's, I don't think it's the finale, but it's like the confrontation of the the musical. Mm-hmm. He pulls that, like, he pulls a gun, and it's like, I have a duty to my family. And it's like, oh, oh snap. Uh-huh. Ooh, I may have just spoiled the end of Anastasia. Uh-huh. Really. Oops. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> well done. <then. laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, go listen to the cast album. That's great. <laughs> there's more of a political focus on soviet russia during the uh during the show the first half they basically spend in russia and then they leave at the end of the first act and then the second act is all in paris you get more of dimitri's backstory he's not the love interest of the movie. He's not even the boy who saved Anastasia. However, no. he does remember meeting her there. as a boy. Okay. Sophie is named Lily in the musical, but she does still have a thing with Vlad. Vlad is... He's more in tune with his officer days as a officer of the guard. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like a scandalous thing that they had an affair.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, the music, the biggest thing, they... Have a, Obviously, they have a lot more songs. Without Rasputin, there is a no villain song, but they reincorporate his the melodies from that song into some of the other stuff.
1: Oh, okay. So. Interesting. I, I mean, like, In the Dark of the Night is such a great song, so I would hope that shows up somehow, or at least that theme. Yeah.
0: Speaking of In the Dark of the Night, I love Jim Cummings' performance of the song, but my disappointment in Rasputin stems from they have Christopher Lloyd, and they don't do enough with him.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. He really wasn't a big part. I mean, like, it, no. It's it make, totally makes sense to me that the that Rasputin doesn't exist in the musical, because he his whole storyline doesn't really need to exist.
0: Right. As, as a villain, there really isn't a scene-chewing moment for him.
1: No. That song's good, though. Um I did make a note that green is evil, so like all of Rasputin's stuff is lime green and I was like, Oh, that's a Disney thing too. Like just in general.
0: He even has his little his
1: little like his little his little thing. scepter thing, his uh yeah that thing's green, the little um bats are green, the eyes of the guard like the evil gargoyles and stuff, those were all green mm-hmm. when he explodes. Uh the the Rasputin explosion to me. Reminded me a lot of Voldemort in the last Harry Potter movie.
0: <laughs> I thought Voldemort just kind of ashed away.
1: He did, he like kind of disintegrated. But then there's this like zoom out, and it and you kind of like see him look towards the sky, and then he like floats away. I don't know. I think it was.
0: I, I see the parallel, yeah. I see yeah, it, I see the it
1: was. It was kind of like the staging of the shot. And the garden scene is very creepy. The uh, hedge maze at the end. Oh! Which was also giving me major Harry Potter vibes. Yes, absolutely. Between, like, the hedge maze and then the uh, crumbling bridge. I was like, oh, that also happened in Harry Potter.
0: And of course, someone had to die at the end of the hedge maze. Right. The romantic tension is not subtle at all
1: no but it doesn't need to be i thought it was cute it's
0: a romantic comedy set in russia slash paris you're instead. so anti
1: about this i thought it was cute
0: i was i was so hyped about this movie and then i saw it and got analytical with it and i'm like i'm not having fun
1: i was still having fun but i also wasn't being you know, like i took some notes but i wasn't being super analytical about it like
0: they travel by map when they do from uh once they get off the train it's
1: like huh also what happened to the rest of the train and, like, was that in the news? Like, did all those people die? What happened? Where'd they go? Right. What happened?
0: <laughs> Forgive me, I, I don't know how trains work, but wouldn't they have just either slowed to a stop or kept going? And they would have gone off the bridge, too?
1: But it went sideways.
0: I think the part of the train that they were on, nobody was in. Because they were in the baggage car.
1: Yes. Okay. but like. They so, like, in. the rest of the train with all the people would be behind them. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I mean, like, did the driver just get killed or thrown off the conductor? That's a good point. Yeah. Someone died.
0: Yeah. This movie is dark, but they don't care to show us all the darkness.
1: But not so dark. Yeah.
0: I have in big, bold letters, what does Bartok even do? (laughs) So here's the plot twist of the episode. Based on marketing, on a technicality. Anastasia is not a Disney princess. She, but given all of the definitions of what a Disney princess is, Anastasia is a Disney princess.
1: Well, he got there, everyone, it's only been a couple years,
0: but she's not a Disney creation.
1: Yes, that is correct. Also, neither is Leia. Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't call Leia a Disney princess either. Leia, I don't know why she's a general.
1: She Thank is you very much. She is a general. She is
0: also a princess. Wait, what is she a princess of? Alderon. You mean the planet that blew up? Yep. She's a pl- she's a princess of nothing. Wow. She has no people to rule over.
1: Wow. I'll
0: say it. For the people in the back, Alderon is gone. Wow. Um, it blew up 35 minutes into Star Wars. Okay. At me. I don't care. <laughs> she's, she's not a princess of anything. Because I kept trying to find what's the difference between a duchess and a princess, mm-hmm. and it kept telling me that the, the biggest thing that I kept finding is princesses are born, duchesses are made.
1: Yeah, so I Amber asked the same question, and I was thinking about, uh, like, the royal family of England. They have the princes yeah. are also dukes.
0: Dukes are more titles than, like, bloodline, mm-hmm. that makes sense because diana became the duchess of wales
1: mm-hmm.
0: Meghan markle became whatever she wa- whatever she is now and you can lose that title once you abdicate or if
1: you mm-hmm.
0: god forbid divorce someone i couldn't find any real thing that's like this is why duchess is a higher title than a princess but it was terribly unclear i i know more but i'm equally confused
1: yeah, like it, I think it has more responsibility, maybe. Like, it's a job. Maybe. Yeah. But like you can be a princess like a and not have to
0: do anything. Not just... Yeah. Uh, any other comments or anything before I get to uh, trivia? I don't think so. Anya's quips feel like dad jokes.
1: I liked that, though.
0: I like that, yeah. <laughs> I like that she like, was kind of... What are you of, looking for? I like
1: that she was kind of this tomboy. Yeah, that's fine.
0: I'm fine with that. Her her joke about the Russian circus. Mm-hmm. What are you looking for? The Russian circus. That's that's a dad joke. Trivia. Ooh, ooh. This was the first animated film since Lady and the Tramp to be shot in cinemascope, which was why the film was in wide screen. Okay. Kind of like that on the the wide screen of it gave it a lot more of a cinematic feel. I did like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Titan A E. And Frozen were also shot in Cinemascope.
1: No, I didn't... I, I'm i sure we talked about that with Frozen, and
0: I just don't remember it. Maybe. I
1: vaguely remember us talking about the widescreen. Huh, okay, interesting.
0: We I, I don't think we did, but if we did, good on us.
1: I think we talked about Frozen for the first time five years ago.
0: <laughs> yep, absolutely right. This was the first film to feature this arrangement of the 20th Century Fox Fanfare. This is the fanfare that is still used to this day for 20th century productions, or 20th century movies. It was arranged by David Newman. His father, Alfred Newman, wrote the original fanfare for, for Fox. Nice. Sir Patrick Stewart, Jonathan Price, and Tim Curry were all considered to voice Rasputin.
1: Tim Curry. Tim Curry would have been a fun one. I think so. Can you just... Like, think about Long John Silver singing in the Dark of the Night. That's all That's all I need.
0: I think Tim Curry would have been too sinister. So good. Which would have made me even more upset. Like, you have this sinister <laughs> villain that never meets the heroine until the end. J.K. Simmons provided a singing voice during A Rumor in St. Petersburg, and Paris holds the key to your heart. He's the artist that's painting on the street oh. when they walk by.
1: Where a rose... Yeah. rose is just wa- a rose yes which seems so random yeah. rose is a rose
0: i was watching behind the scenes on youtube and it showed like during the music section they cut to him and i was like oh snap that is jk simmons huh. Dope. he was still bald <laughs> man i never had hair i think that's the most interesting uh trivia set that i found
1: okay are you ready
0: i am so ready
1: Okay, so Drunk Disney. The rule is that you can only drink vodka, or uh, preferably vodka shots. But <laughs> oh, good lord. Also, vodka mixed drinks or martinis will will also accept. Um, and the Whatever rules you are
0: drink. There must be vodka.
1: Uh, the rules are pretty simple. I'm open to other suggestions. Drink anytime anyone says Anastasia. Drink anytime Bartok makes a joke, and drink anytime a song begins. Cool. Pretty straightforward. Quick. Pretty
0: easy. easy.
1: I love it. Very effective.
0: I think the only drinking vodka part is enough. <laughs> Ooh, one more gripe. and I always <sighs> do this about movies set in other countries. Where were the Russian accents? I think the only person who tried was Vlad Rad. or Kelsey Grammer.
1: Yeah.
0: Like Rasputin didn't even have a. Russian accent it's the most Russian fucking name I've ever heard (laughs) okay tell us what you think of Anastasia am I being overly critical or do I have a point I would like to thanks (laughs)
1: Thanks. (laughs) I'm here to help I'm a helper
0: just to let you know a couple of episodes we have coming up we will finish the Muppets bracket
1: eventually it'll happen I
0: promise we will
1: (laughs) we might have to rewatch everything again
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, we're just gonna start over. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, just do it in one take. Great. Let's just do it in one. Since this episode that we are currently recording won't drop until October, it's a great time to tell you we are going to do a Halloween movies bracket.
1: Because
0: mm. why the fuck not?
1: Also, it's like a happy anniversary. Word.
0: Ooh, five year. No, what an anniversary I is
1: that? Think it. Is it sick? I
0: think it's six.
1: Is it six? I think.
0: No, it's uh, 2016. Is it? 2016 is when we started. Okay. We are going to do a uh, an eight movie Halloween bracket. We are going to pick from Halloween movies that are on Disney Plus, so everyone can follow Mm -hmm. along. We are leaving out Nightmare Before Christmas because Grace and I both agree we can't be trusted. That, yes, (laughs) and it would completely murder the entire bracket. It's unfair
1: yep
0: so we will be i will probably post that bracket on the facebook and twitter page when we when it is completed when we decide on what it's going to be feel free to vote share your thoughts on who would win what uh, isn't there that should be there what is there that shouldn't you know give us all the give us all your thoughts Mm -hmm. speaking of facebook you can follow us at Facebook.com slash Disney on Twitter at Disney VS and on Instagram at Disney versus podcast hashtag Disney parks, cookbook challenge. I have 24 recipes left. I'm so excited. It's all sweets though. So I'm going to get diabetes by
1: the end. So of beignets are happening.
0: Yes, they are. Beignets coming soon. Remember to rate, review and subscribe to us on iTunes Please give us a five-star review and drop a comment. You can also find us on Spotify and Google Podcast. If you leave us a comment and a five-star review, we will read it during the show. So happy to be back. Can't wait for more bracket action. It's going to be great. Thank you for listening, as always. Be safe out there. Hope you guys are vaccinated and whatnot.
1: Wearing the masks. Washing the hands.
0: Yeah. Thank you for listening and we will see you guys next episode.
1: Bye.